So this is the last week of a series we've been calling Contributors in a Consumer World. And we've been talking about what does it look like for us to be generous, how to give freely of our time, of our talent, of our treasured resources, really because of our relationship with Jesus. So our goal as followers of Jesus is that everything we have should really be to honor God. And that's really the opposite of being a consumer. Now, has there ever been somebody in your life who's been so wildly, so extravagantly generous that it changed you in some way? I've been thinking about people in my life who've really been generous. And one couple and one conversation really stuck out to me. When I was a senior in high school, my parents moved to Maryland for my dad to take a new job. We were in Indianapolis, and then they moved to Maryland. And since I was so close to finishing high school, my parents made the decision for me to stay in Indiana as they kind of moved across the country so I could end high school well and with my friends. And this was only made possible through a couple in our church named Dave and Sue Isley. Now, I was best friends with Dave and Sue's son, Jeremy. And Dave and Sue agreed to allow this kid to live in their house to eat their food, to drive their cars just so that I could finish high school. But finishing high school ended up turning into me going off to college, and their home was my permanent address. Dave and Sue picked me up from the airport a bunch of times. They would call to check on me just to talk. They would send money so I could get pizza. They'd buy me Christmas presents. They'd stock the fridge with my favorite food just to make sure that I felt at home. And I lived there for several years, and I even brought friends home from college to meet my best friend's parents, which is kind of weird now that I think about it a little bit. But I remember, in particular, one summer, and I was home from my freshman year of college, and I was struggling. I hadn't made good, God-honoring decisions the past year, and I was kind of running from what God wanted me to do. And I recall I was sitting on their front porch, and I'm swinging, just going back and forth. And I was thinking about what I wanted out of my life, and then I was thinking about what God wanted out of my life. And turns out those two things weren't lining up at the time. And it was super early, and I'm sitting out there, and Dave had just gotten up for work, and he came out, and he sat down on the swing with me, just going back and forth, quietly, back and forth, swinging side by side. I didn't tell him what I was thinking. I didn't tell him how I was feeling. I don't know if he knew what was going on inside of me or not, but he was there, and he kept swinging with me back and forth for so long now that I realized that he he was probably late for work. And he said one sentence. That's it. That's all he said. That was the entire conversation. One sentence, and that sentence Stuck out to me. I still remember it. This is what he said. I don't know what's in your head. I don't know what's in your heart. But God's way is the best way and we'll love you no matter what. That's all he said. And it took me a long time to realize that Dave was being incredibly generous. Because that one sentence really kind of changed my world. It's one of the moments that I began to realize that I wasn't following the way that God wanted me to do. And it started this domino of decisions to follow God that ended up leading me to be here even today talking to you right now. Just because of his generosity. You have a story like that? A story about one person in your life doing something so simple, so significant 
that it changed your perspective or it changed your trajectory or it changed your story. Now, Jesus told a lot of stories like that, but there's a pretty famous one in the Bible. It's called the parable of the Good Samaritan. Anybody heard of the parable of the Good Samaritan? We use that term when somebody does something kind, like when when somebody helps the old lady across the street with their groceries. I have never seen that with my own eyes, by the way. It's only in movies. But we call them a Good Samaritan. And this is a story that Jesus told right after telling people what the most important thing to do to honor God is. He's having this conversation with some religious leaders of the day, and he's talking about how important it is to love God and love other people. He had just said to honor God, love God with everything you've got, your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, and love your neighbor. And then somebody who was listening said, all right, okay, love God, love your neighbor. So who's your neighbor, Jesus? Not who's your, like, like in Indiana, who is your neighbor. And Jesus tells this story, the parable of the Good Samaritan. This is how Jesus starts. This is Luke 10 verse 30. Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho and he was attacked by bandits. Anybody who says the Bible is boring, it is not. There are bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. And then he launches into this incredibly famous story. Maybe you've heard it, maybe you've not, it's okay, but it's a parable. And a parable is a story with a point. And it's this story about how a person and their generosity made a huge impact. So I was kind of thinking, well, maybe we've heard the story, maybe not, but let's, let's tell kind of a, my version of the story that Jesus told, just to kind of update it, make it contextual to us so that we understand it a little bit better. So Jesus was talking about a Jewish man. There was a Colts fan walking down the road. And he was mugged. They took his clothes. They took all of his money. They took his keys. They beat him up. They left him for dead. It was not a good situation for this guy. This guy needed help. And there happened to be somebody walking down the same road. And it was a religious leader. It was a pastor. Hooray, right? This guy's going to help this person laying there in the street. Nope. The pastor had a great opportunity to help, but they didn't help. They crossed the street. That is not a good look for pastors. Then another guy comes down the road. It's another religious person. You know how I know? Because that religious person posts scripture on their Instagram all the time. And this guy sees our injured friend kind of on the side of the road and stares at him. They lock eyes and then just kind of sheepishly goes across the road. It's like a start of a bad joke, isn't it? You know, why did the pastor cross the road to get away from the mugged guy? I didn't say it was a good joke. I said it was a... It's never stopped me before, actually. So these two guys cross the road, leave him there to die. Then a third guy passes by. And this guy, this guy's a person that you wouldn't expect to lend a hand. They're like mortal enemies. I don't know, say a Patriots fan. So this Patriots fan stops and he helps the Colts fan. So in the version that Jesus told, the guy who got mugged was Jewish. And the third guy was a Samaritan. What does that mean? Well, under normal circumstances, a Samaritan would want nothing to do with a non-Samaritan. They were culturally incompatible. They did not like each other at all. 
And so this third man saw somebody who needed help and felt compassion. This third man went over to our friend, figured out how to bandage him up. He took him to a place where he could receive rest and medical care and food. And he even paid for all of it. Said, the bill's on me, and if it costs more, I'll come back through, and I'll make sure to settle the bill. And Jesus is telling this story, and there are people listening to this story, and they're religious leaders. And these religious leaders would have been offended, because who do they identify with in this story? It's not the Samaritan guy. It's the first two. It's the pastor, or it's the really religious person. And the character that they identified with didn't do the right thing. And the character that they wanted nothing to do with culturally did the right thing. And then Jesus asks this question, tells this amazing story. And I think this question, this sentence is all about generosity and contributing and love. It's all kind of wrapped up in there. This is Luke 10, 36. This is how he ends the story. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Jesus asked. And we know the answer, right? Like, we're like, it wasn't the first guy. It wasn't the second guy. It wasn't the religious guy. It wasn't the expected guy. It was the unexpected. It was the low of the low. It was the Patriots fan. It was the Samaritan. And even though the Jewish people and the Samaritan people or the Colts and the Patriots don't get along, we want nothing to do with each other. Now, let me ask you this question. In this story that Jesus told, how do we know that the Samaritan is a good neighbor? And it's not like a jingle, like, like a good neighbor, a Samaritan was there. It's not like that. That's not what I mean. How do we know he was a good neighbor? Well, first he noticed, right? Like he noticed the guy was hurt and that the guy needed help. But so did the other two people. And just because we might notice something that's going on or an opportunity that we can be generous, that's not enough. That's not really the point of the story. Not only did he notice, but he used his time. He stopped what he was doing. He didn't rush by. Was he going to be late? Was he not? We don't know. But he stopped and he helped. He bandaged him up using his talent, some knowledge that God had given him. And he didn't even think twice about it. So he used his time. He used his talent. And then he paid the bill. He used his treasured money, his resources. And he said, I'm going to take care of all of it. And we know the good Samaritan was a good neighbor because he was generous. That's really it. There's another word, I think, that we use for this type of generosity. And I don't often think about generosity when it comes to this word. Generosity is an act of love. That's the way that I think God sees generosity. And Jesus in this story is challenging something in us, this status quo that we think about. Like, what do I get out of this? We approach life like that, don't we? We approach money like that. We approach time like that. We approach relationships like that. I'm not getting anything out of it, so I'm not going to do it. It's all about kind of me. And Jesus is saying, no, it's not about what you get out of the relationship. The Samaritan gets nothing out of this situation and is generous anyway. Think about it. What motivation did the Samaritan have to help? What's his motivation? He's not getting any return. Actually, the Samaritan lost in this situation. Lost money, lost time. Why in the world would he be generous? Well, it all comes down to love. Generosity is an act of love. But we don't think of it that way. At least I don't. 
We don't often give out of love. We give out of excess. We give out of abundance. We give from this posture of, I have what I need. My needs are met. Now I'll give. And love really isn't in there at all. So we go, I'll contribute because it's a good thing to do, or I'll contribute because I'll get something out of it, or I'll contribute when I have time, or I'll contribute when I have the space, or I'll give when I get what I need, or when I'm prompted so loudly that this voice in my head is, is just pounding and I just want it to shut up, so I'll do something about it. That's probably God, the Holy Spirit, by the way, just prompting you. I'll be generous when I'm ready, like we're in control of our entire universe. That's kind of how we interact, that we give out of abundance, not out of love. But generosity is an act of love, not an act of abundance. And Jesus is saying, we as people who are following him are generous, full stop, end of discussion, that's it. He's not adding anything to the end of that. He's not saying we're generous when, we're generous where, we're generous but. Just, we're generous. That's challenging to me. That's inspiring to me. Because I believe that generosity can change the world. I believe it. Now, when you read a parable and you're starting to identify with somebody in the story, maybe you identify with somebody else. Maybe you identify with the guy who got beaten up. You're not the Samaritan. You're identifying with the guy who got mugged. And I get that. I feel that. And I believe that love, even in the midst of the really difficult, actually in the midst because of those difficult things in our lives, we have this opportunity to be generous. When the struggle is real, when the darkness is looming. Now, I've had some conversations here recently, and this word keeps coming over, up over and over and over again. It's this word, overwhelmed. Are you overwhelmed? I can get overwhelmed. Overwhelmed with debt, with overwhelmed with grief, maybe. Overwhelmed with anxiety, overwhelmed with hurt, overwhelmed with pain, overwhelmed with worry, overwhelmed with shoulda, woulda, coulda, overwhelmed with pride and selfishness, and it's hard to think about anything else. Just overwhelmed. Life can be incredibly difficult, and it's in the middle of being overwhelmed that I think we're called to love our neighbors. It actually pulls us out of that. Not because it changes our world, but it's because it changes the world. It turns darkness into light. It turns struggle into partnership. It turns anxiety into peace. Generosity can change the world. It changed my world with one sentence from somebody who loved me well. And it changes the world that we know today. See, God is already working. He's already in our homes. He's already in our community. He's already doing things, whether we believe in him or not. He's actually loving and caring and providing for people, whether we're a part of it or not. But do you know the main way that God chooses to change the world? People. I don't get that, by the way. But he invites us to do it with him. The invitation to be a part of what he's doing in the world is actually an act of generosity. It changes us. It changes the world just by us joining in what he's doing. Being invited to it is an act of generosity. Here's what I mean. The other day I was working at 
my house with my eight-year-old son, Asher. And Asher was helping. I had, I had to get some stuff done, you know, just working in the yard, normal stuff. And if you've ever had a kid help you in any capacity ever, you know you do not need their help. Like, it is actually not helpful at all. It makes things a lot harder, actually. But why in the world would a father want to spend time with their son in that way? Why in the world would a parent and a child interact or a teacher and a student interact in this way? Why would we spend our time with something that actually doesn't benefit us? Because I promise you, Asher did not help me at all. But it gave, it gave Asher some ownership in what we were doing. It helped him learn mostly what not to do, but it helped him learn... See, God generously calls us into this relationship with him, and then he invites us to be a part of it, and he teaches all of this stuff to us. He teaches us how to rely on him and not on ourselves. He teaches that maybe we've been given way more than we actually think. He invites us to be a part of it and reminds us of what he's doing throughout the world, how big he actually is. He invites us to be a part of it. That's an act of generosity. And he says, you be generous so that you can learn and grow and be who I want you to be. And we have an opportunity to join God in changing the world. And I believe that generosity has already changed the world. It's already happened. It's happened throughout history. It's probably happened in your life. But the biggest, the most significant example of generosity, and you're going, I bet he's going to say Jesus. I bet he's going to say Jesus. You're, you're betting lunch right now. He's going to say Jesus. You better believe I'm going to say Jesus. Jesus is an amazing example of how generosity changed the world. See, Jesus is the reason I think we can stand here today and talk about being generous at all. See, he's the perfect example. God loved us so much that he sent Jesus. Jesus taught, Jesus lived, Jesus showed us what it meant to honor God and to love our neighbor well. Then he died on the cross for where we sin and where we fall short, and he rose again. He conquered death so that we can have this right relationship with God and be with him in heaven. And we didn't do anything to deserve that. Not one thing. We don't earn that. We can't do anything. It's given to us. That's generosity. But I don't think that that's the only example. You probably have examples. But here's another one. I recently came across this true story of a guy named Pacomius. I have kind of a thing for unique names because my name is so boring. So when I see a unique name, I start reading the story. And this guy is named Pacomius, and he lived in 292 AD. He was 20 years old, actually, when the Roman Empire took over his hometown. They came in, and any time the Roman Empire came in and took over a town, they put all the young men into prison because they were going to add them to their army. So Pacomius is in prison. And then something really bad and unfortunate happened. There was a famine that hit the area. And Pacomius is in prison, and all of his friends are in prison. And then the Romans leave because they're looking for food. And they're there, they're locked up, and they are dying of starvation. They're the last priority on the food chain. But here's the weird thing. Night after night, these strangers showed up in the middle of the dark to slip food to the prisoners through the bars. And they came back night after night after night. And the prisoners didn't know where they came from. They didn't know who they were. And they didn't really care because they were being fed. And the prisoners survived 
And when it was all over and they got out of that prison, Peconius started to ask this question, who were those people? Like, why would they do that? Where did they come from? And the answer is they were Christians in that region. And eventually, Pacomius sought them out. He found the very people, those Christians who had fed him. And he learned from them about Jesus. He had never heard about Jesus before them. And he became a great leader in the early church and followed Jesus. He was later called Saint Pacomius to recognize how devoted he was to generosity and to following Jesus, all because of this extravagant generosity that happened from strangers in the middle of the dark. Generosity is an act of love. And I believe generosity can change the world. Now here's one of the ways we're trying to change the world with our generosity here at the Ridge. We have these global partnerships through something we call missions. These these organizations throughout the world, these people throughout the world that are making an impact for Jesus all over the place. Here's a picture of our mission partnerships. They're all over the place. We have some locally, some regional, some national, some global. We actually give over 10% of the Ridge's budget to these partnerships. And one of these partnerships is Central India Christian Mission, which we heard about earlier. And if you've ever given to the Ridge, you're contributing directly to these organizations too. So I just want to highlight a couple of them. This is Mission Aviation Fellowship. It's in Central Asia, and they use aviation and airplanes to reach people in remote areas that would never have contact with a follower of Jesus otherwise. They were actually in Afghanistan when everything was going down here recently. They were there. Your generosity impacted people across the world. Maybe a little closer to home, this is 12 Stones Counseling There's right over there in Brown County. There are people who attend the Ridge who have gone through the counseling programs over there at 12 Stones, and it's changed their lives. It's changed the way that they look at the world and at Jesus and at themselves and at their relationships. Maybe over here, Kim Raj and Donna Upede. They're with Love Justice International, and Kim Raj is the principal of a school, and they impact kids and students with the love of Jesus in Nepal. So we have partnerships all over the place, planning a church in Florida. We have partnership in Zambia, in Germany, planning, planning a church in Germany, in Japan, in Indonesia. See, these mission partnerships don't even include the local community partnerships, like Clarity, like Love Chapel, like Brighter Days that we've talked about here recently. See, I believe that God is working, whether we're a part of it or not, but he is inviting us to be a part of it. And generosity is an act of love, and generosity can change the world. So here's the question that I promised that I would ask you. This is the third time we're going to ask you, how is God prompting you to be generous? I believe he is. I believe he's inviting us to join in what he's doing. So how's he prompting you today? And I want to give two just super clear next steps, suggestions really, on how you can be a part of changing the world too. The first is super simple. It's just serve. Use your time, use your talent somewhere. Can you imagine being able to make an impact in a child's life through volunteering in our children's or student ministry worlds here at the Ridge? 
Or imagine being able to stand on this stage and lead people in focusing their hearts and focusing their minds on Jesus through worship. Imagine being back in the booth right now, making this all happen so we can be heard and be seen. Imagine being a part of the team that actually supports these missionaries. We have a missions team that prays and thinks and talks about what does it look like for us to do whatever it takes around the world. See, serving is an amazing way to be a contributor and to fight that consumer mentality. We actually had a serve fair last week, and I hope you attended, but if you didn't or if you're still thinking about how to take that next step, go to theridge.org slash volunteer and take the step. Just use a little bit of your time, a little bit of your talent. Join in what God is doing. So one way to be a contributor and not a consumer is serve. And here's the second one, give. We've actually talked about a verse in this series. It's a really challenging verse to me. So we're going to put it up again because I think it strikes into the heart of how important money, our treasure, really is to our lives. This is Matthew 6, 21. This is what it says. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. I believe that if we looked at how we spent our money, like if we put a chart up on the screen about how we spent our money, we would see in real time where our heart is, like what we actually care about. And I challenge you, if, if you're like, oh, I'm a generous person, I don't need any of this, make a chart of how you spend your money. I think that's humbling. And I tell you what, if you get uncomfortable when I'm up here talking about money, I get it. I kind of am uncomfortable too. But have you thought about why it makes you so uncomfortable? Money is a huge deal in our lives. And if you think that I'm talking to you about money for selfish reasons, I want to be loud and clear, don't give to the ridge. It's not about the ridge at all, actually. It's way more important than that. But given financially, using our treasure to join in what God is doing in our community is a huge way that we get to be a part of what he's doing to change the world. See, our giving supports those ministries around the world. Our giving supports our community and the people in it. Our giving, our generosity helps people in real and tangible ways that we get to be a part of. So how is God prompting you to give? We've been calling this contributor in a consumer world. We've been doing that on purpose because I think at the end of the day, we lean on being one or the other a contributor or a consumer. And even if you contribute in one of these areas a lot, which is awesome, I think God is prompting you to contribute in the other two because it's not about how much you contribute, it's about your heart when you contribute. And maybe you've taken a break from serving and I get that and there's so much going on and COVID is hard and you're trying to figure it out and there are a lot of reasons to make wise choices and you're trying to, your best to do that. But listen, I think the question isn't what you're comfortable in doing. The question is, how is God prompting you to be generous? And that's a harder question to answer because maybe you've never really thought about it or maybe you have and you've never really done it. And you're new to the whole church thing and you're like, I don't know what I think about this, but God is prompting you to contribute in some way. Or maybe you used to contribute, but you stopped. And I understand, but I also believe that God is asking you to contribute even when it's hard, even when it's uncomfortable, even when you don't really want to. And maybe you contribute all the time and you're not off the hook, I'm sorry. Because God is prompting you to contribute in every area 
with all that we've got. That's how he starts the story, saying, love God with your heart and your soul and your mind and your strength. So what does it look like for you to take another step in being generous? And I have to confess to you, I have to confess, it is easier to consume. It's easier. Sometimes it feels better to consume. It's safer to consume. It makes us feel in a very specific way to consume. And I am tempted to be the consumer every day. Are you with me? But do you want to be a consumer or do you want to contribute to God changing the world? Because I believe that God is already working. He's working in your life. He's working in your home. He's working in your community. He's working in your neighborhood. He's working in your workplace. He's working in your relationship. He's working in your country. He's working in the world. And right now, he's asking you, he's inviting you to be a part of it. He wants you to love him with all that you've got. He wants you to love your neighbor with all that you've got because generosity is an act of love. So how is God prompting you to be generous? because generosity can change the world. I'd like to pray for us. Heavenly Father, God, I have, to, I have to confess, I have to admit how hard this is. I don't always want to be generous. Even as I'm saying the words, I feel the conflict in my heart of wanting to feel a certain way or do a certain thing or get what I want or whatever. It is hard to live this out. But I'm so thankful that you invite us into this relationship, into this opportunity to make an impact, not for our own purposes, not to make our name great or the Ridge's name great, but to make your name great, to make you famous so that people see how amazing, how significant you are, that the only logical answer to the question of why would you be so generous is Jesus So we ask you to prompt us, push us, pull us, whatever you need to do to help us answer the question. How are you, God, right now today, prompting me to be generous, prompting us to be generous? What does it look like? And then, God, don't let go of us until we respond. Help us live this out. Help us give it all to you, our entire heart, our entire soul, all of our time, all of our talent, all of our treasure, everything we can possibly think of, every nook and cranny in our heart, anything that we're holding back, we release to you, we surrender to you right now. We give it all to you. We give it all back to you because you gave it to us in the first place. We thank you for Jesus and this example of generosity and the cross and love that changed the world. It's changing my life as I talk. It's changing people that are listening to these words. And we ask for you to continue to move, continue to change. Thank you for the way you love us. We give it all to you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray today. Amen.